Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Banging you do it over What was it? It wasn't me. What have you got over it there? It wasn't me. Have you brought a hammer with you? It wasn't me. You're not going to do a hammer attack, are you? <laughs> you've been biding your time. Today's, or today's the day. Is it that you've been biding your time, or is it that it's it slowly got to you over the years and decades, and today's the day? Today's the day. But that was just it was premeditated, though. Of course. Otherwise, why would I have a hammer in my bag? Yes. Mm. Yes. You wouldn't want an admission of that. On a recording on a podcast, no, was you? no, I'd want it to be crime of passion. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was just my phone. Sorry, I um, I do think that you are somebody who's thought about how to commit murder before now. Yeah, whereas I, I, that never occurs to me. Wow, well, I, I quite regularly I go into such a blind rage that I'm murdering and burying. <laughs> oh dear, what's wrong with me? I mean, I never do it, obviously, but. My mind, my mind drifts there occasionally. My mind occasionally drifts to hiring an assassin. Oh, no. But I feel like they'd see me coming <laughs> and they'd think, oh, we'll just scam him out of the money and then not, not, not do the deed, Mm-mm. not do the hit. Right. Is that the right lingo? Don't ask me. Mm. Um, anyway, that wasn't how I was expecting no. to start our mild-mannered podcast this week. Um, has it been too hot today? I think it's been just right. What has it been? I don't know, about 13. <laughs> I've been up here in the loft for most of the day and heat rises and also it's south facing. So the, the sun comes in through the skylights, which are open in case you can hear any traffic or um, wildlife. Mm. I say wildlife, it's just this one seagull. Oh, right, hanging around. Yeah, I think it's lost. Oh, Maybe it's lost its friend. That's it's very loud. Um Anyway, so I've been getting very hot up here. And before you arrived, I was topless working away on my laptop. Right. I thought, I can't subject Annabelle to this, so I'll put my T-shirt on. But as I was working on my laptop, I thought to myself, is there anybody who finds themselves topless and typing on a computer who every time they look, every time they look down at their own body, they don't feel disgust? I, I 100% sure that I've never use my computer topless really 100% what about your cam sure. shows that you do <laughs> yeah well that's a complete exception that's something completely different but um, yeah in every other context no i've never never done that how interesting mm. i've often got that thing balanced on my awful belly and then like every time i'm typing because i can't touch type i just look down and think oh god how, like how am i married <laughs> like, how, how can my wife be in the same room as this when the lights are on or when there's natural light. You just need to reframe that. Look down and go, look at me. I am looking good. There you well, go. I just reframe wonder it. I just wonder if somebody who is ripped is looking down at their body and thinking, yeah, looking good. Yeah, of course they are. They're looking in the mirror half the time. Probably. What's wrong with those people? Mm. Anyway, um, we're recording this today on Monday. We usually record on Tuesday. This week recording on Monday because it's my birthday tomorrow. How Annoyed are you at the shift in recording day? Oh, it didn't it didn't phase me even slightly. Really? Yeah, yeah. You're very nice, Annabelle. It just didn't phase me. Very nice. Why would it phase me? No phasing here. 
people don't like their routines disrupted. Yeah, I'm not great with routine disrupted, but this didn't feel like a big deal to me. Okay. So tomorrow, my wife asked me to clear the entire day. Right. Day and night, by the sounds of it. I've got no idea. And do you know what I love about it? Mm. Not even what she might have planned and what she might have have up her sleeve. What I love about it more than anything is the complete and utter abdication of responsibility. Oh, lovely. Yeah. You've got nothing to do. Yeah. Nothing to do. No effort involved. They just have to be shunted from one place yes. to the next. Yeah, that is a lovely feeling. It's why I think, you know, sometimes people will talk about how awful it must really be to be a royal. Mm. I don't think it would be for me. You would enjoy that. I think I would be very well suited to to that life. Is there anything, any kind of pressure in having to show your appreciation or surprise or looking grateful enough? Very good at that. That doesn't, okay, that's I'm not very good at that. I'd be very good at either being a royal or being in some kind of institution mm. where all I had to do was shuffle up to a hatch and get my little paper cup with medication in it uh, in the morning and then shuffle along and, shuffle along and get my meals mm. at the appropriate times and then just have every other minute just, you know, okay, lie there, do this, we're going to prod this, we're going to take you. Why are you pulling Slightly that face? I'm worried about you at this stage. <laughs> Not showing a bit worried about you. I just don't like responsibility. Right, right. But then you've got no freedom. I don't care about it. But this is why I said... If, to, to, <laughs> Everything you're saying is like alarm bells are ringing to me. What? Is that an alarm bell to not want freedom? <laughs> is, that, <laughs> is that an alarm bell to not want freedom? I think it's overrated. It's, over, it's overrated. It's why, and I know this is going to upset people, it's why as an animal lover, mm. I don't have a problem with the zoo. Because you think freedom's overrated, they've got everything brought to them. I would rather be an animal in a zoo than an animal in the wild. And I know people say, but, you know, their the freedom is the most important, it's the most important thing you can have. I think I could live without it if I had every need met, either in a very basic way, mm. in the B scenario that I just described, or in the A scenario where I was a royal. So in the institution... Mm. You're in the communal room, which yep. is the only place with the TV. There's mm-hmm. 30 other people there. Mm-hmm. You don't get much say like what's mm-hmm. watched in the evenings. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling there about your lack of freedom? Not, so not, great, not great, but I would be able to balance that against not having any responsibilities. <laughs> and not having to worry about what you're having for your tea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just all, all the stuff, all the stuff that goes okay. with, with okay. being an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what she's got planned for tomorrow. I'm pretty sure... I say this, I mean, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure we won't be seeing anyone. Okay. Have you done anything to try and find out? No. You haven't had a little sneak peek at anything? No. To the extent I don't like finding out in advance. I don't like it. I don't like ruining a surprise. We have a shared Google calendar. Mm. You know, sometimes when you book a restaurant online, it just goes straight into your calendar. Mm -mm. That happened. And I told her straight away, asked her to delete it and haven't Googled the name of the restaurant, which I didn't recognise. Oh, okay. I just don't, I just want it to unfold. Mm. I don't want any expectation. I just want to be shunted around and have it unfold in front of me. Ideally, I don't want to see other people. I know that post lockdown, a lot of people are craving it, but Mm. um, not me. Mm -mm. Do you know what I do like? Mm -hmm. A video message. A video message. Yeah, like when some a friend sends me a little video message, then I can fast forward through when they sing Happy Birthday. What? What? Even if I did it, especially no, no, (laughs) I wouldn't do. No, I enjoy your singing. Your singing is a gift in itself. But it's just so much better having people sing Happy Birthday on a video message than it is in person. Mm -hmm. Okay. You don't have to conduct them. Taking this on board. What? I'm, what? Take, I'm going to give you a video message tomorrow. Okay, that'd be lovely. Yeah, I'd yeah. like that. Good, good. I, I, having to do that conducty thing. Mm-mm, no, 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 no. Because for the first part, you just have a fixed grin, but then it gets to the bit where they do the harmony and you feel like you need to do something <laughs> with your hands. <laughs> I um, had this ex-girlfriend who would always arrange, well, you remember, would always arrange these surprise dinners for me. Mm-hmm. Every year. Mm, every year. And I can say, hand on heart, that every year it would be a surprise. Because cause sh- surely after every year you said, please don't do that again. <laughs> yeah, every year. Back well, it came around. I wouldn't say it because I didn't want to seem ungrateful. Mm. But also, I'd say, 
oh, I just think, you know, maybe I'd leave it a few months mm. and then when the subject of birthdays or people's birthdays, I'd say, them, I don't know why people like such a fuss on the birthday. I'd just like something quiet. Mm. Just something quiet would suit me down to the ground. And then every year there'd be these surprise meals in restaurants. But what was amazing to me is that my brain wasn't intelligent enough mm. on either the night of or the nights around my birthday when she said it's going to be just a meal, the two of us. My brain never thought, okay, this isn't going to be just the two of us. Yeah. I'm going to walk in, have have a bit of banter prepared. Mm. I never would, never would. Even though it truly was every year. It was every, every year, year, yeah. So it was, to many people, it would have stopped being a surprise yes. year too, maybe. Yeah. Whereas I think I would think, after I'd had that conversation six months out of my birthday, that... Mm. Now maybe the penny will drop and next year it will just be the two of us. Yeah. But it was a it was a, a lovely thing to do, but I guess I'm just gullible. Why is it bad to be gullible? Yeah, it's only a negative thing. Because basically, why should it be a negative to not suspect that someone isn't being honest and straight with you? It implies that if gullible is the negative, mm. then it implies that you should go around thinking everyone's up to something and they're yeah. trying to pull one over on you. <laughs> Which is my problem with April Fool's Day. Right. Just because somebody says something to you, you're not a fool for just thinking, all right, is that is that right? <laughs> you're, just, you're just nice. No, but... You're sort of trusting of people. Isn't April Fool like that you would fall for something like ridiculous like spaghetti growing on trees? Like I think there's April Fool's are designed to be... the, the origi- Originally designed to be so ridiculous. Yeah, but I don't know everything. <laughs> Maybe somebody has invented a spaghetti tree. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like why... I just think... I've got no reason to doubt you when you say that to me. They've done loads You're of a nice things, haven't they? Loads of other things. Loads of things, yeah. yeah. Why wouldn't they do spaghetti? Yes. Yeah. Um, here's, here's a weird one. Mm. So I am somebody who never knows what to say in any given social situation, as discussed ad infinitum on this podcast. But whenever somebody gives me a present, and I know I've talked about this before, but my ability to firstly conceal my true feelings which sometimes are delight, sometimes they're not. But you, you wouldn't know whether it was genuine or not. My, my ability to just seem incredibly grateful and say the right thing mm. is second to none. It is one of my great gifts in life. I feel that I am so good at making whoever's given me a present feel, making them, making them feel good, that it borders on sociopathic. <laughs> you are very good at it. Like, let's do a role play. Okay. Think think of, like, some old rubbish that I don't want. Um, maybe a feather duster that is in the shape of Wurzel Gummidge. Okay. Actually, I want that. But anyway. You, you, you give it to okay. me. Okay. Here you go. Here's your birthday present. Okay, I'm just going to unwrap it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm going to tell you something. This is the weirdest thing. When I was it? a kid, my auntie had one of these, and I loved it i mean i would always be asking her if i could have a go on it it would drive her insane and it's just one of those things i, I suppose i've never you know never thought to get myself you just wouldn't think to get yourself one think, what's that a bit kitsch but this is fantastic i love it thank you so much that is gonna pride a place in my home shall i get you one then <laughs> see how good i am That's at that good. isn't that amazing good. isn't that yeah like, Sarah says that I'm a terrible actor, but I really no. enjoyed that's that. When, that's when you really come into your own. That's mm. when you're you're most skilled at acting. Do you know, um, when I was a teenager, I was recalled three times to be in a drama. I think it was a comedy drama made by Granada Television called How to Be Cool. I'm not gullible. No, that's real. No, it's not. It is, yeah. Why don't I know this? I, have I never told you this? No. Well, what's weird is I, I don't think about it very often, then it pops into my head. And I saw it in some magazine or newspaper, applied. It was a huge group of kids went and then we went home again and they got a phone call or a letter saying come back for a second audition. And I got down to the final few. I think for the part, I was I was down to the final two. This isn't true. No, it is. I promise you. I promise you. But the, the weird thing about it is that in my memory, it was to star in a drama with Alvin Stardust. Right. And I I haven't thought about this show for years and years and years. So I Googled it just before you came round. Hmm. And um, number one, it was written by Philip Pullman. No. Yeah, which is weird in itself. And then number two, it wasn't Alvin Stardust. Was it? Mm-hmm. It was the other, the other yeah. one. Right, yeah. right. Isn't it weird that my memory has made it Elvin Stardust? Yeah, made it a bit nicer. <laughs> yeah, 
Oh, God, yeah, I was so excited. Like, so what did you do at the audition? I can't, re- can't remember. I mean, my memory's really hazy, just to remember that, that that's how it played out. But when I was a teenager and, you know, for, for decades afterwards, like, all I ever really wanted to do was be on the TV. And then it's just like a cruel twist of fate that I'm really terrible at being on the TV. <laughs> it is. I was watching um I was watching Channel Five last night. They had one of those nostalgia shows on you know, like sort of I remember nineteen eighty six, I can remember it. And I used to go on those shows with some frequency. Hmm. And I wouldn't go on them because you got a taxi there and back in four hundred and fifty pounds. I would go on them because in my head I would have this hope, an unlikely hope, that you know, maybe maybe this could be the start of something. <laughs> like may maybe like the head of Channel Five will see this and think, "I like this guy's pithy mm. recollections." He's good of Bagpuss. <laughs> I want to see more of him on my channel. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Oh. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? It's a bit too, is this too heartbreaking? It is a bit, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit pathetic. I'm just not. Uh, it's just unfortunate that I'm growing up at a point in history where you're bombarded with a message: if you have a dream, don't give up on it. Oh, so not true. A lot of people should just give up on their yeah. dream because it's just not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm slowly making my peace with that. That's not to say if anybody needs uh, a memory of any year, really, between <laughs> 1979 and 2000. I can certainly fabricate one. Okay. I can fabricate some opinions. <laughs> Something I've been knocking up against at the moment, and I will get on with the rest of the podcast in a second, is Eugene has got... Like, he really wants to be a fast runner. Right. He's never going to be a fast runner. Okay. He's not physically adept in that way mm-hmm. to the extent we have to do occupational therapy with him. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know what to tell him. Don't you do a thing where you go, everyone's good at different things? Isn't that a thing? Well, Sarah tries then. She goes, you know, about his friend Elsie, she's good at running, she's good at going fast, and you're good at eating. But can you imagine being him and thinking, oh, great, I can eat a pizza? That's not, that's not a great example. No. So what I've done, and she's quite annoyed at me with this, is I've told him, let me, let me explain something to you. There is a different kind of running mm. called long-distance running, and what you need for that is stamina. Okay. You need to be determined. Yeah. So if you just work at being determined and keep going and keep going and keep going, that's how you can win a race eventually. Right. That's good. What's wrong with that? <sighs> I just don't think he's ever going to win a long-distance race oh. either. But I think what I'm doing is buying myself some time until he can understand that some kids are going to be more physically adept than he is and he's going to be Or until he things. loses interest in being a fast runner, which, you know, probably next month. Let's <laughs> hope so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I still hold on to that glimmer of hope that maybe I'll be shopping in Topshop or walking around Covent Garden mm. and I'll get scouted maybe you'll to get, be a model. Maybe you'll get another call back to, yeah. for, so you want to be cool. It's not too late. They're, They're going to remake, remake it with Elvin Stardust. Exactly, yes. <laughs> Right, Annabelle. Yes. Have the drifters heard our call for more stories of uh, social ineptitude as we re-enter um, a slightly more normal version of life? Not really, okay. but anyway, we're fine for now. Okay. Um, first of all, this is from Mighty Count John. He actually got in touch to say that his wife had bought mug chat mugs for herself and their daughter Hannah, who he describes as people who dip into drifter behaviour on occasion. Mm. And then he has evidence for this, which I think is worthy of a place in this section. Okay. Classics, he says, like Fiona not changing hairdresser, even though she's not quite sure she likes the way they cut her hair. (laughs) And Hannah once went in and out of a building several times to avoid asking the lady parked next to her to close her open door, which stopped her getting in her car. (laughs) This problem was finally and ingeniously solved by sneaking up to her own car, getting in the wrong side back door, ninja like to avoid (laughs) being detected by the open door cavalier and performing circus like feats of contortionist (laughs) Body moves to get into the driving seat. An octopus would have been proud of her jelly-like body moulding. That is fantastic. I also think that 
you've just given a solution to other drifters in the same situation. Yes, yeah, definitely. Mm. This is from Emily. My story is one which occurred long before lockdown and during the very nerve-wracking and perilous time for a drifter, which is starting university. For weeks leading up to me leaving home, I was crippled by the idea of having to interact with an entire group of people I didn't know and having to make friends. I did get to the stage where I just assumed I wouldn't be able to and had to come to terms with just living in my halls as a hermit. After some extremely painful interactions within the first two to three weeks, I had miraculously made a few acquaintances, a veritable triumph. It was around this time the film La La La, La, La Land came out and I was desperate to see it. I boldly announced in the communal kitchen one day that I wanted to see it and one girl who was, I'd say, friends with us at this point, but not close, so that she'd come with me. I was excelling at this. We went to see the movie and all was going smoothly until afterwards. We both needed the toilet, so queued in the long queue for the ladies' toilet. And whenever cubicle became free, I went in and relieved myself. I reached for the toilet roll and felt nothing. Uh. Oh, God. What would I do? The toilet was busy. There was no way in hell I could shout out to the entire ladies' toilet that I was sitting here with urine dripping (laughs) out of my nether regions. (gasps) Also, I barely knew the girl I'd come to the cinema with. I couldn't in my right mind shout out to this girl that I had no loo roll, something which now writing this would have been the obvious and normal choice. I sat there on the toilet, weighing up every option I had. I could just pull up my pants and go about my day, but then would I smell like urine? Would my new friend think I'd wet myself before I'd had the opportunity to get to the loo? Would she laugh at me? Would the whole cinema laugh at me? I should message her and tell her discreetly that I needed a few squares of loo roll, but my phone had no signal. I was frozen. I don't know how long I sat there deliberating. It was somewhere in between 10 minutes and an hour. Too long to sit on a toilet. <laughs> I should preface the next part by saying that some people may not find this entertaining, but what happened, happened. Can't do anything about it now. Like Jeff has mentioned in the past, I too am a slave to my bowels. When the urge comes, it comes and I must obey them. Something about sitting on the toilet for so long and the general anxiety of the situation triggered something, something kind of natural response and a deluge like I had rarely experienced before exited my body. It felt like what I imagine an exorcism would feel like. Now I was truly (laughs) stuck. If only I'd not been such a drifter five minutes ago, I could have avoided this. Thankfully, the toilet had now cleared up and it felt like I was the only person in there. Then I heard the voice of my new friend. Uh, Emily, is everything okay? I have never been so happy to hear a voice. I explained the situation in as little detail as possible and she handed me some toilet roll under the door. I think I might need a bit more. I had to admit meekly. (laughs) Fortunately, me and this girl are now very close and she is as much of a drifter as me and we often laugh about this story. I introduced her to a drift and even did a podication for her birthday last year. This is one of the rare drifter stories with a happy ending. But (laughs) never fear, I have plenty from over the years which haunt me to this day. I empathise. The amount of hankies I've sacrificed. Oh, I can only begin to imagine. Mm. One more? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, okay. I mean, that was so good. I thought that was the uh, main course for this week. But let, let's have a little pudding as We're well. We're having a pudding involving His Royal Highness Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, Oh, in honour of his passing. Yes. Adam says, during my temping days, I got to work at the opening of a new civil justice building in Manchester. I was doing silver service. I had previous experience of silver service and was honoured that HM, the Queen and... His Royal Highness, Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, were attending to open the building. I was working on the Duke's table and everything was going well until the Duke asked me something. It was pretty noisy in the room, lots of talking, etc. I couldn't hear what the Duke was asking and I kept asking him to repeat himself. I was pretty nervous at this point, asking the Duke to repeat himself no more than three times. Turns out he wanted a beer. Ah. I'm impressed that you could go past the second time. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. if someone didn't hear me on, if I couldn't understand by the second time, I would just walk out the room and just never come back. Did you pretend to be deaf in one ear? Yeah, you'd have to, wouldn't the you? The classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm a little bit deaf in this ear. Mm. Oh, great. I'd like to uh, take you for a hearing test then. Just have that confirmed. <laughs> Send us your stories of uh, social interactions gone awry. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. <laughs> I am more than ready for another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult. 
So I had my vaccination last Congratulations. Week. Thank you. Are you a Pfizer guy like me? Nope, I'm not. Oh. I'm an AZ gal. Uh-huh. AZ gal, yeah. Very patriotic. Yep. And I had to go and get it. I had the choice of a pharmacy and a big mass vaccination centre. Mm. And it felt like, did I want to go to the 100 Club or Wembley Stadium? So oh. I went for the more intimate experience of the pharmacy. Actually, it was just closer, so I could right. cycle there. Mm. And I looked up how long it would take on my bike, and it said on Google Maps, 13 minutes. So I gave myself 25 minutes as I was going to take the back streets because I'm scared of cycling on main roads. But I, you're back on the bike again now, though. Oh, yeah, back on the bike. This is great. Yeah, yeah. But I can't take my right hand off the handlebars because mm. I lose balance, so I can't ever turn right. Mm. So I have to stop, go on the pavement, mm. cross the road, and then carry on. So I gave myself extra time for all these things, 25 minutes. And then because I'm always running a tiny bit late, I ended up, by the time I left, having 20 minutes. And then what Google Maps hadn't told me, that some of it was really uphill and I had to get off and walk because oh, no. I'm so unfit. As a result of all this, I'm quite flustered when I arrive. I'm about a minute late, which I feel is not cool for your vaccination. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they, they put quite a bit of an effort into like making these vaccinations. <laughs> I, I could at least be on time. So I'm a minute late. And I'm out of breath. I'm also quite thrown by the appearance of the pharmacy. I thought it'd be a really modern one, but it was very, very 1980s. I should show you a photo of it. Like, I feel like having a vaccine against a global pandemic virus, I'd expect it to be somewhere all white and gleaming and stainless steel. As it was, it looked like somewhere that sells Melody Pops and Tic Tacs. (laughs) Let me see if I can find this photo I took of it. There you go. This is where I had my vaccine. What do you think? Oh wow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very retro, isn't it? I don't know how familiar people are with the uh, with the film and subsequent uh, TV series. This is England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And then I can't see anywhere to lock up my bike at all, so I have to lock it to a bench. And I'm worrying, like, if this is even legal to lock your bike to a bench. Mm. So let me tell you, I'm not at my best when I get to the doors where a vaccine volunteer is waiting, and she says to me, "Are you Annabelle?" Which, for some reason or reasons perhaps explained by what's gone on already and my fluster state of mind, I hear as, (laughs) are you wearing a bell? And it feels like I'm standing there, slack mouth, (laughs) for about an hour thinking, am I wearing a bell? Am I wearing a bell? Am I wearing a bell? Was I supposed to wear a bell? And the lady is sensing some confusion. And she says, she says to me, oh, it's just that there's only two more people to come before the break and one's a man. So I thought you must be Annabelle. And I now realise what anybody would realise, like even a deaf frog wearing earplugs. She said, are you Annabelle? Which is a perfectly normal question featuring my own name that I've had for 46 you years. You must have come across that question. Oh, are you Annabelle? It's all the now. time. I just misheard it. I somehow jiggled it into, <laughs> are you wearing a bell? And now that I've got my wits back, I say, oh, yeah, sorry. No, yeah, yeah, I am Annabelle. And then, why, oh, why, I felt the need to explain my long pause and confused, panicky face. So I added, sorry, I thought you said, are you wearing a bell? Why didn't I just say that I hadn't heard properly? Why did I tell her the bell thing? Oh, right, she said. So I go in and sit down. And very unexpectedly, I feel really emotional about it all, about how mm. amazing it is that in a year we've had these vaccines and mm. now I'm having one and I could maybe have a melody pop as a treat after. And I'm starting to well up a bit. I welled up a bit, but I, I, I went for the Wembley Stadium experience. So I saw all the different volunteers oh. and just what had been sort of put up and enacted in a very short space of time, whereas you went time travelling. I did, back to the back 80s. To your grim, grim yeah, chemist yeah. from the 80s. Yeah. So I'm getting... I could go on a TV show and remember chemists like that, if anybody's oh, listening who needs... Me, me too. Needs it. Yeah. I could do my melody pop joke again and again. <laughs> so I'm getting a few glances of the fact that my eyes are welling up and they're probably slightly concerned that I'm unhinged. And then I see that I'm getting the AstraZeneca, which I'm hugely relieved about because I was worried it would be the Moderna and I'd be unable to stop myself making that weak joke I've done on the podcast twice now about how I wanted that one as it's the most modern. Mm. So it's a big relief that it wasn't that one. And that- I feel like that's the one that Kraftwerk would get. <laughs> And that really, I wasn't going to get Moderna in that pharmacy, was I? <laughs> and that might have been the final straw in them insisting I didn't have the mental capacity to agree to any kind of medical treatment. 
So I have the jab and for some reason I expect a plaster afterwards. So I sit there with my sleeve rolled up but a bit too long. But I don't blurt out, thank you. I don't blurt out, where's my plaster? <laughs> and then I was expecting to have to stay for 15 minutes in case of a reaction because like, that's what everyone had said. And I'd brought my Kindle with me and my glasses and I'd been looking forward to it. But they just say, thanks, bye and usher me out. And I truly hope it's not because they were scared of me. That's what that bench is there for. Right, there wasn't a bench. That you uh, change oh, your no. bike to. Oh, that was like a... That was like a on the high street that bench god by the looks of that neighborhood i wouldn't be leaving my bike uh... <laughs> sorry so all in all i'm really looking forward to my next one in 12 weeks because that gives me plenty of time to decide whether to wear the bell on my ankle or my wrist <laughs> and how was the melody pop i didn't have a melody pop <laughs> how tic tacs <laughs> Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I watched a good film on Saturday night. I think you'd love it. Oh, yeah. It's called The Mole Agent. The Mole Agent. It's a Chilean documentary. Oh, yeah. About a private investigator who hires an old man to go and be a resident in an old people's home and report back on how they're treating their residents. And it's a documentary. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It sounds great. Yeah. It's, they, they kind of mess with the form of documentary a little bit, I suspect, but it's, it's really good and... Uh, uh, very heartwarming. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Recommendation for a recommendation? Promising Young Woman. I absolutely loved. Um, but I'm not going to say what it's about because I'd read up on it beforehand and I knew what it's about, whereas Tom hadn't. And I think he enjoyed the first scene more than me because of it. Okay. Okay. There we go. I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to read up on it. I'm just going to watch it and I'll report back. I am... Um... Oh, and quite a few people got in touch on social media and said that they enjoyed Palm Springs after us talking about it on the podcast last week. Mm. But you, you'd had your injection, you felt a bit woozy, and you fell asleep. And I kept then, falling asleep. Mm, yeah, yeah, so I yeah. didn't. I'm have to watch it again. You won't. You're not one for a rewatch. Tom enjoyed it. I, I love a rewatch. You're not. You're not a rewatcher. Um, let me ask you a question. Do you think it would be acceptable as a birthday present to myself to buy myself a Terry Towling shirt? Yeah, why not? Why wouldn't it be acceptable? Just, you don't see many people wearing terry toweling. Oh, okay, so it's not the act of giving yourself a gift, it's the act of, it's what it is. Yes. Oh, good, just go for it. I think be, I might. be very, like wearing a dressing gown, but outdoors, I love well, this, it. This, this is what I was thinking, I'm, I've got, look, this this is the kind of thing I'm thinking, what do you think about that? Yeah, you, you were showing me this last week. Oh, was well. I really? Yeah, so it was obviously very much on your mind. On the podcast? No, no, afterwards. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking of, I've been thinking about it's it. very and, much on your mind. Yeah. Because I'm not sure Sarah's that keen. Right, right. Well, who cares? It's for you. It'd be great to wear poolside. What what, what side of pool are you going to be sitting by? I don't know. E- even though I'd sooner die than go to a pool party, mm. I have this vision of myself as, like, at the pool party wearing this shirt. Okay. And when I, I say vision, it's just a vague idea because, obviously, I, I, I don't have a mind's eye as such Mm-mm. due to the aphantasia. Mm. Um, but I just feel like maybe all my pain would be taken away. I'd, if I was wearing Terry Towling, oh. maybe there's something just like being swaddled as a baby. Yeah, that is. is uh, I think it's you're just... putting too much, too much on it. You, you're asking it to solve too many problems. I wasn't worried about myself before when you, you said it was concerning that I, I had no attachment to the notion of freedom. Yeah. However, that combined with the need to be swaddled in Terry Towling yes. is is perhaps yes. The alarm bells are getting a slight louder. worry. Yeah. Mm. But think of me at that poolside party. <laughs> well, that's better. That's more like it, yeah. Do you prefer a swimming pool or the beach? Beach. Why? You don't agree with me? I think... It, so, here's what I think. Mm. 
I think the advantage of the beach is there aren't people opposite you. Mm -hmm. So if you're by a pool, Mm. there are often people on the lounges on the other side of the pool. Mm. And then if I was to take my T-shirt off to get in the water, they would see my unclothed form before I got into the water. Whereas at the beach, you've usually got your back to people. Yeah, yeah. Apart from the odd swimmer who's not really looking at you. I guess it could be somebody on a yacht. With binoculars, and, you but, ca- and you've got to come out of the water. Or do you come out of it backwards? Oh uh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you walk backwards, um, do you? Yeah, do like a little crab-like move. Right, right. Yes, uh, stay low. Right. Get a towel around me very quickly, okay. and then when I lie there, drying off, I have a towel both on top of and below me, so right. that people can't see my torso. Okay, <laughs> but, but but otherwise, I think the beach is awful. I think it's a beautiful. I, I, I love the view of a beach, mm. but sand is terrible. Okay, I, lo- I love the beach. So. Even sand? Yeah, sand's a bit annoying, but I think it's the price you pay for a brilliant beach. Like, your, your book gets sand in it, your glass doesn't sit well on the sand, your yeah, flask, it so falls over, annoying. sometimes you need a wind cheater, a wind break. Yeah. <laughs> Not a wind cheater. <laughs> is that another name for an anorak? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Mm. A wind break is what I'm thinking of. I wouldn't have had you down as like a real beach lover like that. Yeah, I love the beach. Interesting. Mm. Tell you what I don't like is when a beach has a little mini shower for getting um, sand off your feet. And why don't you like that? I would have thought that would be like very for can't, you. Can't do it gracefully. There is no way that I can manoeuvre my feet into a position. Like I give myself cramp. Oh. Think about what that looks like. Think about me and how physically inept I am. Yeah. Think about me trying to get sand off the soles of my feet under a shower. Hold on to the pole of it and then like lift your foot up. You can't lift your foot up. No, you can't. <laughs> that involves standing on one leg. Yeah, yeah standing on one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not good. I don't want to be doing that publicly. Mm. Anyway, um, was it Simon who sent in the email about Prince Philip? No, Adam. Adam. Sorry, I do, do uh, apologise, Adam. That just got me thinking, did you watch the funeral? I didn't, know. Did you? No, but Sarah was going on about it, asking if it was available on iPlayer. Oh, she wanted to re-watch it. She I, didn't see it live. I think it's strange. Well, I think... It'd be weird to watch a funeral, didn't you? Like, if you weren't... I'm not here to judge anyone's public grief, but I do happen to know that my wife didn't feel any. Right. Yeah, it was just an event in the news Mm. that she didn't feel any kind of personal connection to. Mm. I think it's strange. She, Her parents have a friend who likes to go to funerals of people that they vaguely know. Yeah, yeah, right, really distant, um, just to see the funerals. And I'm worried that she'll end up like that in old age. It sounds like she's heading that way. Mm-hmm. Reading all the um, tributes, eulogies, obituaries of Prince Philip, kept coming across that phrase that he didn't suffer fools gladly. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it is possible for that phrase to reflect well on someone? <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying it's an insult, not a compliment? Well... It's it's an insult dressed up as a compliment. That's what it is. Yeah, a backhanded compliment. Mm. I don't know. I mean, it, it, I ju- the idea that that is an admirable quality in a person is very strange to me. Mm-hmm. Like these people with all their confidence in their own judgment, not only as to who is a fool or not, like they're so wise that they can e- instantly decide whether somebody is a fool or not, but also... The, the the self-confidence that once you've determined that, think, oh, okay, okay, I'll be a bit dickish with them then because it's what they deserve. <laughs> because they're not as bright as me. Yeah. yeah. I just think it's a terrible quality in a person. Mm-hmm. And it's often said, yeah, you know, he's a clever guy, didn't suffer fools gladly. That means he was rude. Yeah, well, I think I think we all, we're all reading between the lines and that, yeah, that's what it means. Like every social interaction for me, I'm suffering. Like, why, why do these people get to not suffer something like pick and choose who they suffer and who they don't <laughs> it's not fair he must have done a lot of suffering though think about all the people he had to meet well you're up for that aren't you as long as they're paraded in front of you yeah yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and they behave in a worshipful fashion yeah, of course yeah 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 it's a normal interaction that i struggle with <laughs> not people being worshipful <laughs> there you go Okay, let's move on to... What mug is this? What mug is that? What mug you gonna find at? Mug chat! 
how how is the uh, the mug tree this week? The mug cupboard. Well, Mike in South Wales has been in touch. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why, but Jeff, I'm with you. I can only stomach up to a second cup of tea in the same mug, and that's only after being swilled out. And then it's a fresh mug for mm. me. As a complete opposite to this, I used to have a work colleague, let's call him Dave, who never, I repeat, never washed up his mug, from which he used to drink lots of black tea. As you can imagine, the inside was completely black from all the tannins. And to be fair, he did give it a cursory swill out every now and then, but nothing would stop the stains from staying attached. He always claimed it made the tea taste better. After a while, this came to be a talking point in the team and eventually became too much for a couple of the female members who decided to clean the mug out one time when Dave wasn't in. And when I say clean, I mean scrubbed with an inch of its life so it was gleaming. They must have used industrial strength bleach to tackle it. Let's just say Dave's reaction wasn't one of mild indifference or even slight irritation. He was visibly and verbally angry with mentions of personal space invasions and theft. Wow. It turns out it wasn't even his mug, just one of the random office ones he had adopted and abused. He left a few months later and I always wondered if it was down to the mug incident. That suggests to me that those marks and stains on the inside of the mug were in some way badges of honour. For him. Battle scars. Yeah, he was not happy. He said it made it taste better. I was just thinking that somebody, you know, uh, somebody should invent, I don't know if it's a parable or an idiom or a saying or something, like a a stitch in time saves saves night. Mm. I think a a fan of mug chat, Mm. somebody who's enjoying this segment of the podcast, should invent some kind of pithy saying that is basically got the same meaning that if you keep on top of things then you're going to save yourself a lot of work in the future. But around the stains on a mug, that if you scrub that first stain, you're not going to get to a point where your mug looks like Dave's or like that one that, mm. where you really insulted the people the other week. Oh, yes, I feel really bad about that. Sorry, pumpkin. Because mm. <laughs> it's a lot harder to clean. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can say it's in about a toilet as well. <laughs> see the lime scale on mine let's go on to jane now yeah we have a shop near where i live where you can paint mugs plates and other ceramics and because i have two young children six and two it is somewhere we love to go in normal non-covid times as such we have plenty of items including plates bowls and a mug that we have painted over the years i made myself a mug which was bright orange and said jane's coffee on the front so there could be no mistaking it and it soon became a tier one mug One day, my two-year-old decided to be helpful in the way that two-year-olds are, and she was carrying stuff out to the kitchen for me. I asked her to take my mug into the kitchen, and off she went with it and returned without it, so I assumed she had done what I asked. It was only after a few days I'd begun to realise I hadn't seen the mug anywhere, not in the cupboard, not in the dishwasher, not on any surfaces. It was a few days of searching before I had to conclude she had thrown my favourite mug away. It was already past (sighs) bin day, so it was too late to go rummaging around the bin to get it out. I had to book a trip to the mug painting shop where I painted an identical mug, which to this day remains my favourite mug, and I will never let the two-year-old help out again. (laughs) The second story is from when I had just moved in with my now husband back in 2010. We had both lived alone previously, so had our own mugs. So when we moved in together, there were were over 50 mugs. Consolidation. Far too Mm. many for two people. Mm. So we had a clear out and got rid of the rubbish ones, keeping only the best mugs. However, we still have way more than we needed. So since then, we have followed a strict one in, one out policy, as if our kitchen cupboard was a high end, trendy nightclub. I had two favourite mugs during this time, one with butterflies on and one with colourful camper vans on. One day, a friend of my husband came over and as conversation began, I offered him a cup of tea. As I was making it, I casually dropped into the conversation. Do you want butterflies or camper vans? The look of utter confusion on his face as I asked a question that made perfect sense to me, but absolutely no sense to someone who had just been offered tea will stay with me forever. He just looked at me (laughs) blankly and said, sorry? And it took a while to register that I just asked a pretty weird question. But I'm glad to hear that she had names for her mugs. Did I tell you that, I can't remember if I talked about this last week, but somewhat recently I struck up a conversation, I tried to strike up a mug chat conversation with Sarah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did I not say this? No, no, go on. So Sarah hasn't heard the podcast for a long time. Mm. Make mm. that as what you will. Yeah. She used to listen to it. Yeah. And like others before her. Gone, Doubtlessly, others since went off it. Um, so I, I said, we've been doing this thing, mug chat. And something I've noticed about you is you just seem to not really give any thought as to what mug you're drinking out. It's almost like 
whichever one is the closest to the front of the dishwasher or closest to the front of the cupboard is, is the one you'll drink out of. And she looked at me like I was insane. So she really does just take any old mug? Yeah, she doesn't, doesn't think about it. She doesn't have a favourite mug? No. So weird. It's so weird, isn't so it? So weird. I'm just thinking if a drifter wrote in and said that about their partner, what would I say to them? You'd say time to move on. Yeah, I'd say get out of that toxic relationship. <laughs> toxic. Uh, the sails are up and we sing this verse. The stove is lit to break our thirst. Be your ship, your sailor chunk. It's time to talk of all things mug. Mug chat. Send us your contribution for mug chat, please. I think mug consolidation and any negotiations that you've had to do when moving in with a partner or... I don't like to introduce the uh, subject, and obviously it wouldn't be a factor in my marriage, but what about in a breakup? Yeah. Mug custody. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Uh, email us. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Right, I feel, I feel ready for Quandary Corner here in Problematic at the GLAP Clinic. Annabelle, who is the first one from? Adam. Adam. Ever since splitting up with my girlfriend last year, I've been struggling for things to do on weekends. When government restrictions have allowed, I've been going to various organised meet-up groups to meet new people. Last weekend, I went to such group in High Park. I got talking with a nice Italian lady. She initiated the conversation all about what I did for a living. I don't have a fantastic job. I'm able to embellish it a bit to make it sound better and more important than it actually is. I then asked her what she did for a living. She said she washed dishes in a local Nando's. I know there's nothing wrong with this whatsoever, but I didn't know what to say or what questions to ask without coming across like I was talking down to her. What could I respond to this revelation of a job? Should I have asked her how many dishes she has to wash in an hour or about if she has ever seen a mouse in the kitchen? How do I say anything without sounding condescending? I genuinely was interested in what her job entails. Everything I thought of on the spot made me cringe, so I panicked and just pretended that I'd felt a spot of rain in order to change the subject as quickly as possible, despite the fact there was hardly a cloud in the sky. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I think both of those are good questions. I think this is the thing. I think he came up on his own, in his head. Fantastic questions that I'm also interested to know the answer. But I do understand that he'd be worrying that he was somehow belittling it by asking those questions because they seem quite trivial i don't know i don't think so i mean maybe this is this this is a big kind of blind spot for me and it shows it shows my limits as a conversationalist but i i am envious of both of those questions they are very good so they're just things you'd want to know, right? Yeah, exactly. I don't think there's anything condescending. Like the the only the first and only question that sprung to my mind is, so where where is the halloumi and mushroom gone? Is is that coming back? Has it just gone off for COVID? The halloumi. Oh, sorry, is that, is that Nando's? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Sorry, I don't know. Is but then she the might menus? say, "Well, it's not in my purview." You know. Well, like, actually, I think that's an excellent question. Do you? Yeah, I do. Genuinely. Okay. Think that's that question. that would be my first question because I think I think you've hit the nail on the head there. The way to go is is to go in with general interest about Nando's because mm. then you're not focusing on job mm. and then bring it round to smaller like things about her job. Because that so my brother-in-law, who is a chef, mm. says why. Do domestic dishwashers take whatever they take, an hour and a half, two hours to run a cycle, mm. where the ones in a professional kitchen are done in no time, really quick? Yeah. Like a few minutes. Why is that? What's going on there? There you go. There's another great topic. Because I don't I don't I don't think that ten times as much. Mm. The technology clearly exists mm, mm. and yet they're keeping it for from us in the domestic market. <laughs> keeping it from us they are <laughs> they're holding it back <laughs> for the pros yeah yeah it must use up a lot of water a lot of energy i don't know i don't yeah, know i'd love to know more yeah yeah I, th- I think i think you've inadvertently answered it the question perfectly i think you go in with general questions about the company and then mm. you and then you get more narrow and narrow and narrow to you start asking about their job mm. and then i think you avoid coming across as in any way what you might fear as being patronized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not worried. You've displayed with those questions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't want to make you feel worse or anything, but like the, out out of all the questions, you know, out of, out of the, the questions that we've talked about, the ones that you've listed, by far the worst is, oh, is that rain? 
No, I totally disagree. I, think, <laughs> I totally disagree. I think that's a, I think that's a brilliant. I think if you're ever, as long as you're outside, please mm. be outside. If you're ever, that's a brilliant. Like, oh, I just did. You just first bought a rope. I think that's brilliant. I genuinely think that's brilliant. We've all done it. So, is that Concord? <laughs> Concord. Okay, let's go on to the next one, which is from Alison. I'm hoping that my quandary won't take up too much of your time, as I know it's been touched upon in previous episodes. Like many people during lockdown, I have taken up walking and on my walks, I enjoy listening to podcasts. I have several which I listen to, yours being by far my favourite. Oh. I'm the only one I endeavour to listen to almost as soon as it comes out. That's so almost. lovely that somebody would, would do that. I know. Yeah, nobody's waiting up till midnight or whatever time I finish editing it in bed on a Tuesday night. Mm, mm. It drives Sarah mad. Oh, does it? Yeah, because I never quite have it done by bedtime. So she's sitting in the bed waiting for me to finish editing so we can watch something. Mm, oh, at midnight? Oh, dear. Oh, yeah, a bit later. Such it, owls. You're such owls. We are owls. Yeah. We are. Anyway. One particular afternoon, I was listening to a drift when I bumped into a friend in our local park. So we could chat. I said, oh, hang on. Let me just switch this podcast off. To which my friend replied, oh, what podcast are you listening to? It's called Adrift. Ah, what's it about? I froze. If it'd been one of the other podcasts, I could have easily explained. A celebrity chooses their dream meal in a dream restaurant. Or it's two parody agony aunts answering really filthy problems in a really inappropriate way. I feel your taste in podcasts is too good for us to be part of your <laughs> listening <laughs> repertoire. Or it's three people reading and mocking a badly written porn book, which one of their dads has written. Right, yep, yep. No problem. But how do I describe a drift? I just couldn't think what to say. I said... Oh, it's, it's really hard to explain. Mm. She looked at me, waiting expectantly for an answer. I had a really hard think, but nothing came. I just wanted a short sentence. I tried to think of the description in the podcast notes and vaguely remembered the words flailing and sea of, inadequ sea of inadequacy. Mm. I couldn't use these phrases, though. No. This would reveal too, far too much about my innermost workings. This was a chance meeting in the park, not a therapy session. I didn't want to come across as needy. No, I, I just can't explain. She must have thought I was a complete idiot. Or worse, did she think that I thought that she was an idiot who wouldn't be able to understand what I was listening to like I was some sort of a lofty <laughs> academic? I'm usually able to put across a fairly competent front and I'm also reasonably articulate. But on this occasion, I just could not say think of anything to say. As I mentioned, I know this has been touched upon in previous episodes, but I've either forgotten or missed the best way to describe the podcast to non-listeners. What should I have said? What do I say in future if put on the spot again? Well, firstly, I feel that if I knew the answer to that question, this podcast might yeah, be up there with those other ones you described. If I knew the answer to this question, I wouldn't, on probably about maybe once every three months, I wouldn't be in exactly that situation where someone has said mm. to me, well, what do you do? And I say, oh, I do podcasts. What's it about? Mm. And I, I never get it right with how I explain it. I hate, I hate, yeah. and as I'm saying, I hate myself. I say it's it's kind of like a, a mild, it's a mild humour podcast about social awkwardness. Okay. I feel that the last time we had this conversation, mm. Lizzie yes. of last week's Quandary yes. Corner got in touch yes. and gave us the perfect line to deploy. Let me get it back up again. Um, in this situation. Now, Lizzie, this is what she does for a living. So she's really good at it. Um. So if we all have this, maybe on a small piece of paper in our pockets at any given time. I think she must have... It maybe maybe in the condom it. pocket <laughs> of your jeans. I haven't got it in the emails. Did, was it, did she send it to you on Twitter? Oh, no, this is a disaster. I thought oh, I'd be able to get out really quickly. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay, well... This hasn't worked out very well. Now I feel like we're imposing on Lizzie to get back in touch. Why isn't it on the emails? How bizarre. Mm. We should all wear a locket with it inside. Mm. Look, I can see you're, you're trying to be ingenious here, but it's not going to work. No, it's not working, is it? Let me, shall I just check in my email just in case? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Look in your personal emails. I will. <coughs> Excuse me. Press it. Um, this is embarrassing. Pencils. Yeah, I don't think it was an email. Yeah, okay. Let's... Um, Let's. I don't want to impose on Lizzie, as I say, but if no. if she can get in touch, or better still, have some lockets made that we can distribute <laughs> to our listeners. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, we need to remind. Whatever it was, we need to remind. Remember? Yeah. So let's come back to that next week. And then Annabelle will get it tattooed somewhere on her body yeah, so that it. we never forget it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was something about Comic Sans, wasn't it? Yes. It definitely featured the word Comic Sans. Hang on. Now, now that might be um, that, that might be enough to, to find it on Twitter. Hang on. Sans. Lizzie. I'm just on. No, it's definitely not on my email. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. We I'm feeling it. hopeful. Yes, found, found it. it. Look at that. That's all we needed from August the 31st of last year. Brilliant. Interestingly, Lizzie has tweeted at least three times, including the words Comic Sans, but only once about this podcast. So everyone get your pen and paper ready to write it down so that we don't do yeah. this, go through this whole palaver again. Okay. This is great as well. She did say happy to record it too for, uh, for a nice price. Okay. Okay. It's a podcast for anyone who's worried their inner monologue might be written in Comic Sans. There we go. It's perfect. Yep. That was this week's Drift. Thank you for listening. We appreciate your ears week in, week out. If it's your first week this week, we appreciate your ears this week. We hope you'll be back next week for another heaping helping of uh, hospitality. What? A heaping helping. Isn't it from the Beverly Hill? Be heaping helping? Oh, heapin I don't help- remember, sorry. Uh, you're all invited back next week to this locality for another heaping helping of the hospitality. The Beverly Hillbillies. Why are you just looking at me like that? No, I mean, I'm just thinking, I've got to pay royalties to them now. Well, here's what I said. Th- I made a decision. I'll be honest, that crossed my mind yeah. before I started singing the Beverly Hillbillies theme tune. Mm. I thought, if they came after us for royalties, oh, yeah, yeah. I think we would benefit from the pu- publicity. <laughs> yes. It'd be a real David and Goliath thing. Yeah, yeah. Us versus those clampets with all, all that oil money. Yeah, okay, yeah, great. It'd and be a good story. Yeah, yeah and in this, this day and age... Mm. Uh, climate crisis and all that. Yeah, they're very easy for the uh, for the oil barons to look like the bad guys. Exactly. Yes, and we look like the good guys. Yeah, not sure that your sympathies would be with Ellie May and Jethro these days. I'm presuming that uh, Jed and Granny are no longer with us. Presumably so. Yeah. Yes. Um, why? Why was I singing that? Oh, more next week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Carla Gowlett took the photos. Kim Rainey designed our artwork. And um, Annabelle, I just want to ask you something before we, mm. before we finish here this mm. week. Are you wearing a bell? All right, this comes from Helen, who says, Dear Jeff and Annabelle, I've just listened to Stephen's podication from episode 174 on his suspected ASD diagnosis and feel compelled to write my own podication in response. Reading this email back, I have to warn you that what follows is a somewhat lengthy and self-indulgent narrative, but try and bear with me or Annabelle can cut it down if it's too long. Firstly, Helen, I have a lot of faith in the fact that it won't be. Secondly, who am I to judge anybody else for somewhat lengthy and self-indulgent narratives. Thirdly, I don't think Annabelle's bothering with the red pen very much at the moment, are you? Didn't need to. There we go. Um, I've been listening to you both since I was about 14 or 15. I'm now 28. Uh, Religiously, having the home time show on while I studied for my GCSEs and A-levels and later listening to the podcast of that show whilst at university. Though devastated when you announced the end of the radio show, I have since become a very loyal Adrift listener. During my teenage years, I was dealing with what I recognise in retrospect to have been undiagnosed anxiety and OCD, as well as childhood trauma. I have a horrifically embarrassing memory of sending a postcard I'd coloured in by hand to you both at the radio show, thanking you, Jeff, for discussing your alcoholism, as I was just beginning to realise my mum had a drinking problem. I still cringe about it on a regular basis and pray it got lost in the post. So firstly, my memory is so bad, I I don't remember that specific card. But 
anything I ever received where people had taken the time to physically send in a, a postcard or a letter, especially if there was some kind of creativity or drawing or art that went into it, it just meant the world to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, so if I, I don't remember, and I'm sorry that I don't, but if, if I did receive it, I guarantee I would have loved it. Um, okay. Anyway, during my A-levels, I was diagnosed with dyspraxia and vividly remember you hearing your discussion of your own dyspraxic tendencies, bringing me great solace in trying to understand what this meant for me. As Stephen recounts in this uh, diagnosis coming as a great relief, as I had actually asked to be tested, fearing I would be marked down for spelling during my A-levels. Then, it was while I was at uni... Sorry, I'm going to start that sentence again. Okay. I got myself in a knot on the last sentence for some reason. Okay. The text size is quite small. Right. Really need to switch to a bigger text size at some point. Can't bring myself to do it though. Ah, uh, because it's emitting something. Yeah, I really like it when I look over somebody's shoulder mm. and they've got the text on their phone set to one size bigger than I do. No. <laughs> Makes me feel like I'm winning <laughs> right, right. against them. Um. Anyway, uh, there we go, yeah. Then it was while I was at uni in Oxford, not sure enough, just relevant to the story. Yeah, Annabelle went to Oxford. Polytechnic. That I had my first breakdown and was diagnosed with depression and a range of anxiety disorders, including OCD. Being a London girl from a predominantly working class family, I found the Oxford environment very tricky and my parents bought me a radio so I could listen to your show and be reminded of home. I also listened to the podcasts of it while walking around the city and trying to make sense of my place within it. I'm sorry, it's that that fish out of water thing is really difficult. I'd imagine that'd be particularly tough, actually. Yeah, yeah, knowing what yeah. the environment can be like for some people. Yeah. Um, when I was eleven, I mean, just don't, don't want to make it about me, but just like I got sent to, I passed an exam and went on a scholarship to uh, an independent school, and I lasted a year, and I it made me quite ill because I was such a sort of fish out of water in that mm. environment for similar reasons the ones Helen's dis- uh, describing. So I mentioned that just so you know, Helen, it's not just you. I think a lot of people feel like that. It's hard. I moved back home after uni and, funnily enough, spent time working with autistic children. It was then I started to think that my boyfriend, who I once got a podication for, but was, alas, unimpressed, has autistic traits, as well as also being dyspraxic. And this has really helped me understand some of his behaviours, even if he does hate when I try and psychoanalyse him. God, I love it when my wife psychoanalyses me. (laughs) Just the attention, the fact that somebody's thinking about me that much. After some pretty crappy years, including a second breakdown, I started therapy three years ago and I've gone from not leaving the house more than once a week to buy my own flat with my partner and working full-time as a history teacher. This is largely thanks to my lovely therapist who incidentally got me a very good mug recently, which is now firmly within my tier one of work mugs. This is great. This is This is great. Yeah. Um, Anyway, Helen says, I'll get to the point eventually, I promise. Well, I'm enjoying getting there. No rush. Uh, Over the last few years, we have pieced together that I have sensory motor OCD, largely related to a sensory perception disorder linked to my dyspraxia. Over the pandemic, we've started looking into the possibility that I might also be on this spectrum and I've been doing a lot of reading about how it presents in women and girls. I fit the uh, majority of diagnostic requirements, but I seem to fall into a little-known slash under-researched category of women who suffer from hyper-empathy as opposed to the more traditional difficulties around empathy, uh, which my boyfriend incidentally displays. Isn't that interesting? I think I read something on this a while ago, and as I always say, we're just in the foothills of this stuff. There's Mm. so much more to be discovered. Um, Helen continues, This is why Stephen's publication, and in turn your guys' open and interested reaction to it, meant so much. This realisation has been groundbreaking for me in my recovery and journey to self-acceptance. My friends and family have been anxious that I don't get caught up in self-diagnosis, which, like Jeff, I'm prone to, but I think can also recognise the positive impact that this new layer of self-understanding has given me. I'm not sure whether I need to seek a formal diagnosis, but firmly feel like I have found another set of my people. So, finally to the podication. I wanted to podicate first to Stephen for speaking so openly about his experiences and also making me realise how wonderfully freeing it is 
and has been for me to self-identify as a drifter. But I also wanted to dedicate it to you both, Annabelle and Jeff, thank you, uh, for supporting me throughout these years. That's a very kind thing to say, and, and there's a bit more which uh, which we appreciate very much, Helen, thank you. Uh, it would be great if this could get read out in April as it's Autism Awareness Month, uh, but it's already mid-April and I don't know how full the metaphorical bulldog clip is at present. P.S. Sorry about the spelling slash grammar, also dyslexic. And then there's like the uh, the, the crying with laughter, but, but it looks like a sort of grimacing laugh. You know, anyway, it's a good emoji. Slightly different shape to the ones I'm used to, which I like as well. Reminds me of the... Uh, uh, the the little CBeebies logo. Oh. The <laughs> um, first thing, I mean, don't apologise. Um, you want to see some of the things. Like when I send emails and and I reread it, I'm often horrified and I, I don't have any sort of dyslexia that I'm aware of um, or that I even suspect. Mm. So for, and secondly, it was perfectly written email, yeah. as you could hear yes. by the way it was read out. Um so thank you for that, Helen. Thanks for sharing your story. It is funny, isn't it? Like, you know, we read that one from uh, Stephen the other week and then it prompted Helen to get in touch. Mm, mm. And it, it's just it's great that we talk about this stuff and uh, really appreciate it. And I'm glad, I'm just glad the, the, the sort of way things are going for you. Because it sounds like you've, you've had a rough time of it at yeah, various yeah. points. And, uh, you know... Things are going in a, a good direction. So we're really pleased about that. Thank you, Helen. Thank you for writing in. And if you would like a podication, you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.